Go ahead and pull out your Bibles and make sure you get something that you can take notes with this morning. We are a note-taking church. Thank you, wife. We are a note-taking church. <laughs> Open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And the people made a collective gasp. We are taking a break from our Christian Living series this, this morning. Um, so uh, if you've been enjoying that, we'll pick it up next week. I promise. We're not, we're not done. If you don't know what that is, it doesn't matter to you. you know, just come back next week and you'll jump into the flow of our Christian Living series. So we're taking a break this morning uh, because at the beginning of October every year, we have a rhythm. We've been talking a lot about rhythms this morning, rhythms of our Sunday morning. We have some annual rhythms here as a church as well. And so at the beginning of October, the first week of October every year, we have a rhythm as a church family of looking forward to the year-end offering that we give every year in December called Seat at the Table. Seat at the Table. Anybody been here for Seat at the Table before? Such a blast. Now, I know everyone gets really excited when we talk about money in church. And if you brought a friend this morning, you were like, dang it. If you bring friends to church, like, don't talk about tongues and don't talk about money. Come on, pastor, just be normal one time. But I promise I'm only talking about it because God talks about it so much and because you think about it so much. I promise this is relevant to you. We all think about money every day, every week, all the time, and God has a lot to say it. So we, a lot to say about it. We do a year-end offering, and we call it Seat at the Table for a very specific reason. We believe that in the house of God, everyone has a seat at the table. Everybody is an integral member of the body. The Bible uses lots of different language to explain the value, not just of the church as a whole, but of every member individually of the church. We believe what the Bible says, that as members of the body of Christ, we're not, we're not just members of Antioch or members of something. We are members of one another under Christ. We all have something to give. God has wired each and every one of us a specific way. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit manifests himself in each one of us for the common good. God built you so that you could show the rest of the world a specific way of what he's like. Everybody has a seat at the table in the body of Christ. And so we have a part of, part of exercising that collectively is a year-end offering. And sometimes you can think of a year-end offering like for the, for the rich people who, who need a tax write-off, you know, like everybody who's just blessed to end up with some extra money at the end of the year, like all those people out there. But uh, that's not what the year-end offering is about. It's about every single one of us pulling up our seat at the table as a family and looking back at the year and being so thankful for what God's done. No matter what the year has been like, we always have stuff to be thankful for. Like Sam was just telling us through give and take, God is so good and he's always moving. We always have the opportunity to end the year looking back so that we end with thankful hearts. And we always get to start looking forward, full of faith, because God's not done moving yet. And every year at the end of the year, we love to treat it as sort of this transition time where we get to be so full of thanks for what God's done in the past, and we get to be full of faith for what he's going to do in the future. We give because we're so thankful for what God has done, and we give because we want to be a part of what God's going to do next, whatever it is. And so that's why we do this year-end offering, this family rhythm to pull up our seat at the table. 
So this morning, uh, what I want to do is do a couple of different things, cover a few different things. But the first thing I want to do is like seat at the table. It's not just a rhythm of thing we, or something we do every year, but it like makes huge difference. Seat at the table is why, you're, why you even have a chair to sit in right now. It's actually specifically from the seat at the table offering that we have this building at all. Isn't that cool? Like, it's not just like random money came in and we bought a building. It's because people gave it seat at the table. We have this building, the carpet that we have coffee stains on, the, the chairs we get to sit in. Uh, last year or the year before, whatever, whichever one it was, we, we uh, were able to have the money for the new space that the kids are in right now. We had 100 kids last week. And we wouldn't have had room for that without seat at the table. And we've got 42 ADS students using that room now. It's so cool. I mean, it's just like so fun what God does. We've, we've given away almost $100,000 over the last five years to help pay off people's debts, pay for cars, pay for rent, groceries, all kinds of stuff through our, our Acts 2 fund. So this is just a great thing to be a part of. And we are so excited for what we're going to be able to be doing going forward. So like I said, if you are a guest here, this is going to feel like you're kind of stepped into somebody else's family dinner table. You're welcome here. And so don't, don't feel like you're on the outside. We're glad you're here. But that is what this morning is going to feel like because that's what this morning is. It's kind of a family rhythm for us. So what we're going to do is we're going to cover a few different things. I'm going to give you a heads up now so you can kind of know where we're at as we go. Because sometimes we talk about money. It's like, is this almost over? I want to talk about what the last year has looked like for us as a church financially, let you know you're a part of this church, so I want you to be in the know about that. We're going to talk about how God instructs all of us as believers in the house of God to participate financially in his house and how to honor him with our money in a few ways, and then we're going to look forward briefly uh, as we wrap up to the seat of the table offering that we're going to be giving as a family on December 19th. So that's the agenda for our dinner time this morning makes no sense. So I want to start with a little bit of an overview and uh, let you know where we're at as a church. And if you're like, oh gosh, here comes the graphs and the numbers, and I hate graphs and numbers. There's not that many. There's actually no graphs. So that's good. So I'm going to do my best to not bore you, but still inform you. So if I miss the mark a little bit, I'm, I'm really trying hard because I want you to know what's going on around here. So I want to start uh, with a little bit of an overview of three things, letting you know about where, about our church financially right now. The first thing is that I want you to know that we have a balanced budget, which is great. And that may not sound like the most exciting thing in the world, but if you've ever had a budget where you spend more than you bring in, that's not fun. So... It is exciting that we have a balanced budget. So we, we only spend what we bring in, which is great. And so what that means functionally is that operationally, as you look around the church and you see what we're doing or not doing or what you're able to be a part of or not be a part of, you can know we are able to do exactly what we're doing right now. We can't do anything more, but we're thankful to do everything we're doing right now. So like I said, we're not going to get crazy into numbers, but I want to give you, some of you have heard this before, but I want to give you a little bit of a window into kind of how we look at our budget philosophically so you can kind of understand how, we, how that thing can translate into the way we operate. So we break our monthly budget into three main categories as we're, as we're building the budget out. The first category is people. People. So we're, we, we break the first category into people, which means this is money that goes directly to people who are preaching the gospel and ministering to the church locally and abroad. 
So this is money that comes into the church and that we are giving directly to people who are ministering to the church, whether it be our church or other churches who are preaching the gospel of the kingdom and making others great. The second category is ministry budgets. It's pretty self-explanatory, but this is money that goes to those people whose job it is to minister in the church so that they can do the things that they're here to do. And then the third category is facilities, which means so we have space to get together as the church, as the people of God. So we've got three categories, people, ministry budgets, and church. So as percentages, our current monthly budget breaks down as follows. 70% of our budget goes to people. So 70% of the monthly budget is spent directly on people whose job it is to preach the gospel of the kingdom and make others great, meaning function in the church. 10% of our budget goes to ministry budgets, so 10% is given to those people to do the things that they do here at the church. And 20% is spent on facilities so that we can do stuff like this and lots of other things. So as you can see, we operate very heavy on the people side of things. And we like that. Causes a little bit of stress sometimes because there's like not a lot of fluctuation. But we like it that way. We believe people are the biggest and most important kingdom resource. And so we view money as not an end, but as a tool to leverage to empower people to do what God's built them to do. So number one, we've got a balanced budget. Number two, we have zero debt, which also feels really good. We've never actually, we've never borrowed any money to do anything as a church. The building you're in, it was all cash. Everything's always been cash all the time, and it's still that way, and we really like it that way. Number three, the third thing is, so uh, yeah, our budget's balanced. We don't owe anybody money, which feels great. And number three, finances are tighter for us right now than they've ever been. So we're healthy, which is great. We've got a, budget, a balanced budget. We don't owe anybody money. And also, things are tighter than they've ever been. So this last year, we have averaged 25% less monthly income than we projected when we entered the year. So 2020 ended, just so you don't think we're idiots for just guessing. <laughs> like, wow, <laughs> got some smart people. <laughs> 2020 ended with a steady upward trend of income, and so we used that to make projections for this year. And right off the bat this year, uh, not only did the increase not happen, it actually didn't stay the same either. It went down. So all year, income has actually, we've averaged less income every month in 2021 than we did in 2020. So for, your, for yourself, if you're kind of having a hard time putting all that together, just imagine if you personally came into the year expecting a raise, but instead nobody told you and they took away a quarter of your paycheck. You'd be like, okay, that changes things. <laughs> that's new. That's different. So that's kind of what the year has been like for us operationally. So you might actually understand what that's like because maybe that has happened to you. <laughs> and all this COVID stuff. But I hope that gives you a little bit of context to understand how awesome it is that we have a balanced budget and that we don't owe anybody any money. It's kind of a miracle. I mean, praise God and go team. Not only that, but even, even since, like, I mean, this is, uh, how can I say this better? Uh, even including COVID and this year being a surprise for us, none of our staff has ever missed a paycheck in all of that. Praise God. Go team, such a blessing. 
So I can't just say broadly, praise God and go team without giving a few specific shout outs. Because that doesn't just happen. And it definitely didn't happen because of me. So praise God. That's amazing. Well, we've got to give a shout out to Mr. Chad Freegy over here. So Chad is on our elder team, and he specifically as an elder helps oversee our finances and operations, and he's got a job where he does that for a business. So he's been doing that for us and helping us with that this year. He's put in a lot of work to help us be where we're at. So thank you, Chad. We're blessed to have the elder team that we have all together, and Chad's been great in that. Second, we gotta give a shout out to the one and only Mr. Jordan Wood in the back row. So Jordan is our executive pastor, obviously, and so he's managing a lot of things, including the finances and the operations in the day-to-day, and he has worked his tail off, and he has spent hours uh, praying and combing through things, and I am not exaggerating when I say he has been, been diligent over every single dollar <laughs> this year, and we wouldn't be where we are without all that he's put in. So way to go, bro. And thank you so much. And finally, we got to give a shout out to our entire staff. They're incredible. Um, I have told them no at every turn this year. Like everything. Everything, the answer is no. No, we can't do that. No, you can't get that. No, you can't dream that. No, you can't explore with that. No, you can't do those things. And not one of them has complained one time. And like, that's not an exaggeration because I've got years behind my back too. And it's not like they're like, okay, Andrew. And then they go complain somewhere else. They just full of faith, just amazing. They haven't, not only have they not complained, but they haven't one time taken that as an excuse to like slow down or slack off, or be grumpy, or be discouraged. Not only have they kept doing everything they were already doing, every single person on our staff has made everything they do better than it was before this year even started, in the midst of being told no every single time. And I am just so proud of them. They've worked so hard to keep going, and keep building, and keep growing, so that you have a healthy church to be a part of. Our church is healthier in every way than it's ever been because of the work they've put in. And so you have a healthy church to be a part of. Now you, can, you are led in grace and faith and joy and integrity and diligence. And I'm just so, so proud of them as they help all of us as we grow as disciples of Jesus. None of them have gotten any, yeah. And you can clap for them. I'm gonna keep bragging on them though. No one on staff has gotten any sort of raise this year. Our full-time people have no benefits other than like our pastors get their cell phone paid for. Over the last four months, just to give a few examples of, of how hard our team is working and how great they are. Over the last four months, our worship team has spent an average of $10.80 a month. Trey's leading our youth team on $8.29 a month. Sam is building our life groups and discipleship in our church and starting a new service at a independent senior living home down the street this afternoon on $17.25 a month. Our Antioch kids team disciples 70 to 100 kids a week plus 20 
adults, plus creating incredible resources for all of our parents so that they can create kingdom culture at home on less than $210 a week. They do all that. Just absolutely incredible. And so I want you to know, your, the staff of your church, they are fun. They are smart, gifted, disciplined, hungry, humble, Jesus-loving, church-building people. Every single one of them could be making more money somewhere else. I promise you that. And one of our cultural values, you hear it a lot, is that uh, our sound, it gives honor. And we've got to give honor where honor is due. And I know we're all saints in the house of God, but they are men and women of God who deserve honor and reverence. And I'm so proud of them. And I love them a lot. So way to go, team. Aren't you thankful to be around people like that? So cool, so cool. So that's a little bit of an overview of our church finances, where we are at right now and what the last year has been like. And I know I said that this message was going to be a break from Christian living, but it really isn't. It's really not actually a break from Christian living because money is a huge part of the way that we live our lives. And a big part of being a Christian who lives a kingdom-oriented lifestyle is honoring God with your money. And so now I want to talk about what, what does it mean for us? How, 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 do, how do we actually do that? Um, honor God with your money. Does that sound intimidating and kind of big and broad and undefined to anybody else? It's like, well, shoot, I, sounds important. I hope you'll do that well. And that doesn't just encompass what you do at church, just like our entire faith. It's, it's holistic and all-inclusive. We want to live lives that honor God completely. But as we do zero in on church God has made two things clear to us, ways that we can honor God with our money by participating specifically in his house. And two of, the, two of the ways we can make sure we're honoring God with our money we're gonna talk about. The first one is worshiping him with our tithe and participating with him in offerings. And again, I don't, I don't wanna just throw out church words that nobody knows what to do with. I'm thankful that the Bible really gives us the formula on this stuff so we don't have to guess on like, am I doing that? Like, you know what I'm saying? That, anyways, that's discouraging religiously, you know, when you're like, shoot, I hope I'm doing a good job here. So the first thing we're going to talk about is, is worshiping God with our tithe. So the formula for the tithe, what does it mean to worship God with the tithe? What does it mean scripturally? It's a very simple formula. And it's simply this. The tithe is the first 10% of your increase that is given to the house of God. The first 10% of increase given to the house of God. So I want to walk through each of those elements briefly. The first, when we talk about tithing in scripture, part of the definition, part of what makes the tithe the tithe is that it's the first. If it's the leftover, it's not tithing. It's still giving, but it's not tithing if it's leftover. So the first, it comes off the top. It comes at the beginning. It's the, it's the first of the fruit that we have in our life. So it's, it's the first. Then 10%. Again, the word tithe means 10th. So if it's, if it's less than 10%, it's still giving, but it's not tithing. So by definition, it's 10%. So the tithe isn't whatever you give to church. The tithe is the first 10% of increase, the first 10% of increase. This isn't just 10% of all that you have at any given moment on every Sunday when we pass the baskets. It's the first 10% of 
increase. Every time that we get increase, our hearts and our minds and our worship are tested. Every time you get more, you're getting tested. Your heart, your mind, and your worship is getting tested. Of all the things that Jesus could have clearly said, where your blank is, there your heart is, where your marriage is, where your church attendance is, where your songs are. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Money is a great thing. You're allowed to shut that down in church. Does anybody like having money more than not having money? Okay, that's a, that is a good thing to say in church. Money is a great thing. Paying your bills is awesome. Saving is awesome. Investing is awesome. Giving is awesome. Vacations are awesome. Birthday presents are awesome. Money's a great thing to have, but it's a terrible thing when it has you. Every time we get increased, we get tested in our hearts and our minds and our worship. What and who are we going to trust in? What and who are we going to serve with our lives? Are we going to trust and serve ourselves and our abilities and our bosses and our paychecks and our, and our ambitions and our abilities? Or are we going to trust and serve the Lord that in all things I recognize he is my provider and I serve him? Lastly, given to the house of God. Given to the house of God. The idea behind the tithe is not really that you're giving God your money, but rather that you're giving God God's money. And I, that's kind of weird to me, but it, that's what the Bible says, so I don't have to like totally understand it. <laughs> but like it's God, the, the first 10%, is, it's a test also in this way. Will I give God to God what still belongs to him. It's more similar to, it, it's less, uh, how do I say it better? Tithing isn't so much God testing me to see if I'll give him my first 10%. It's testing me to see, well, I believe that the first 10% of what he gave me actually still belongs to him. And he's Testing me because I know that sounds weird, but like we all test everybody all the time. It's, a, it, 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 it's the invitation to love. You can't love without a test. So he's showing us that he loves us and providing for us. And he's inviting us into freedom in loving him back by remembering right off the bat, you know what? This is all from you, isn't it? So this is why the Bible uses the language of bringing the tithe and not giving the tithe. That's why tithing isn't giving. Tithing is tithing. They're different things. So the tithe isn't just for the Lord. It is the Lord's, which is why we give it to the house of God and not just to the stuff we want to give to. That's great to give to other things, obviously. But it's, no, Lord, I'm bringing this back to you. It's for you, for your purposes, for your house, the way you decide to use it through the people you raised up in the church that you called me to. I'm, I'm letting go because it's not mine. There is a long list of things that I could do and would like to do with the first 10% of my paycheck. 
Kind of like there's a long list of things I could do and would like to do on Sunday mornings or Tuesday nights instead of life group or first thing in the morning when my alarm goes off. But I've done things my way before. And not only did that not work, I realized that wasn't working long before I did anything about giving my life to Jesus. Just kind of lived in that zone, you know what I'm saying? This isn't working, but we're still going to do it, you know? <laughs> so not only, not only does it not work and did I realize that it not worked, but, but I came to the point where I, in that spot now, have surrendered my life to Jesus. Like I gave my life to him. You see what I'm saying? Like I had my life, I was doing it my way, but then I took my life and I gave it to him. I committed to his kingdom, I committed to his ways, and I am committed now to, to growing in obeying his voice. Like we've been talking about in Christian living, by his grace, in that decision, I am now holy. I'm set apart from everything else. I'm set apart from the things I used to be a part of, the things that I used to be drawn to, or, or I could say owned by, ruled by. And he has made me a, a citizen of a different kingdom than the one I was living in. So when it comes to doing things with my time versus doing things with my time that God says to do with my time, or doing what I feel like doing versus what God tells me to do, doing with my money what I would rather do with my money versus doing what God says to do with my money, I've already made that choice as a Christian, that I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to do things his way. So if you are tithing, way to go. And I hope that you hear that it matters every single time that you do it. Probably rarely feels great. You might wonder if it even matters in the grand scheme of church budgets and all that stuff, but you're not even primarily tithing for the sake of the church budget. You're primarily tithing to worship the Lord in your own heart. And so it has mattered every single time between you and the Lord. I also do hope that you hear through what I shared earlier that it's mattered every time for your church, which is also really encouraging. Like every time that you have tithed, you have obeyed the Lord in a very specific way that he has asked you to honor him and honor his house. And that is really cool. So way to go. If you're not tithing and you are a follower of Jesus, it's time to start tithing. I, I don't know what else to say as a pastor who's responsible before God. <laughs> it's, time, it's time to start tithing. It's time to honor the Lord as he asks you to. Time to honor his house as he asks you to. Whether you totally understand it or not, whether you fully love it or not, he's asking us and leading us to do that. So if this is your church, plant yourself here and tithe here. If this isn't your church, find a place to plant yourself and tithe there. So we worship God with the tithe and we participate with God in offerings. Participate with God in offerings. So the formula for offerings is a little bit different than the tithe. So I had you open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and I want you to read that with me as Paul writes to the Corinthian church about an offering that he is going to come and receive from them. So Paul's writing to them. He's saying, I'm coming soon. I talked to you a year ago about an offering we were gonna take up. You said you wanted to do that, which is awesome. Now I'm about to come. Make sure you have it ready because I, I don't want you to feel embarrassed if I show up and you're like, oh yeah, we're not doing that anymore. And then I have to tell all these other churches that were counting on you like, yeah, they decide. You know what I'm saying? It's just, we're talking. 
in 2 Corinthians 8. So verse one uh, through eight, would you read this with me? We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, and as I can testify, beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus that as he, has, as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. So this is a little bit of a different formula, we could say, for offerings than for tithe. So what do we see here in these first eight verses? Offerings come from, we could say, the sum of, first, abundance of joy. Abundance of joy. Later in this passage, we are told that God loves a cheerful giver. When we talk about generosity, when we talk about offerings, it's not a compulsory or a grumpy thing. Sometimes I give like reluctantly, but I know it's gonna, I know like I'm like, okay, no, this is great. Yeah, even though it hurts. You know, like I can choose that joy. Um, but like if I'm giving out of grumpiness, God's like, oh, I love a cheerful giver. Like, because I don't care how big your offering is, God's got it. God's good, you know? He's not like, oh, geez, I really hope so-and-so writes that big fatty check. <laughs> He's like, you can keep your bad attitude. Like, I'm inviting you to participate with me. <laughs> God's not like a desperate boyfriend. And he ain't broke either. He's the God of the universe. And he's like, come on in and be part of what I'm doing. Keep your grumpiness to yourself. Reluctancy, I can work with. Grumpiness, we don't need. Abundance of joy. Be filled with joy as you give, as you make an offering unto the Lord. Here in this passage, we see the abundance of the joy of gratitude. See, you, you can't give with a joyful heart if you're not thankful. You can't do it. You can't do it because you, thankfulness requires that you be thankful for what you have instead of complaining for what you don't have. That's what we work with my kids about. When we're like, stop complaining. They're like, what's complaining? What, you know, like, what, we're trying to explain this. I'm like, no, thankfulness, gratitude. How do I help you do this? Be thankful for what you do have. Stop whining about what you don't. And it's like, okay, that clicks with them. And it clicks with me too. If I'm going to give something, I have to first be thankful for all that I have. And secondly, he talks about this joy of grace, this joy of grace. It is the grace of God that I have something to give him and the saints, the church, the needy, the whatever. It is a gift of God. It is the grace of God that I have something to give. And that brings such joy that he lets me be a part of other things. It is the grace of God that God would give me the opportunity to give something to somebody else. What a blessing.
So the first sort of element of our formula for offering is abundant joy. The second element is a test. Talking lots about tests this morning. We love talking about tests in church. (laughs) But it's true, a test. It's mentioned right here. Uh, What was the verse? Somebody shout it out at me. Shout it out at me if you had the test of affliction. Where was it? Ah, verse two, for in a severe test of affliction. So sometimes we're facing a test of affliction in our life, right? We probably all know what it feels like to face a test of affliction. And here Paul talks about a church that is full of poor people, but they still had this desire to be generous as much as they could. He's talking about the Macedonian church. They have a test of affliction, but the Corinthian church is facing a test of excellence. He says, you excel in all these things. You excel in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in earnestness. You excel in the way I love you. Like, I don't know how that works. Sounds like something Paul's excelling in, but he gives it to them. You excel in so much. Make sure you also excel in this test, this act of grace. Make sure that you excel also in this. See, the reason that being generous feels difficult is because it's a test. Our faith is constantly tested in a myriad of ways, and the call to give offerings to the Lord is not just a way that we are tested financially. It's actually one of the ways that we are tested most thoroughly. If I want to push all your buttons, what I really need to push is your financial button, right? And it's true for me. If you want to test all of me, there's one button you really got to make sure to push, Because pushing on that button, they're all connected to that one. So we have this test in generosity. That's why it feels like that. So we've got the abundance of joy. We've got a test. And our third element in this formula is means. You have your means. Your means come into play when it it comes to generosity, which I'm really encouraged about that, that God didn't just give like some. You're not generous until you've given X amount. He gives us even a percentage for the tithe, but not for generosity. That's so interesting. So offerings, he's partnering with us. And so we we bring, as we're working through the Lord and we're working through things in our hearts with what can we give? I've got an abundance of joy. I understand this is a test, so I'm not gonna run from it. I I wanna face it and make sure that I excel in everything, but I can't write a check as big as that other person. I can't even maybe write the check that I used to be able to write. And God's like, I'm not asking about all those things. Let's talk about your means. Look at your means. In Macedonia, they gave according to their means and beyond their means. In verse 12, which we didn't read, it says this. uh, Oh, wrong page. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. We need to quote that verse a whole lot more in church when we talk about money. So much guilt gets thrown around, right? So much weight of like, man, all the superstar people have more zeros than me. No, 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 no. This is how God sees offerings. It may not be how a proud person or somebody who's weird about money sees it, but I'm responsible to God just like you are, right? And so this is how God says. God says, if, if you're ready, if you got the abundance of joy, if you're ready for this test, then what you offer, it is acceptable according to what you have. Don't worry about what you don't have. You don't need to be scared of God and what he thinks about what you don't have. 
according to your means. There's no arbitrary number for generosity. We get to come with joy and face this test and just give according to what we have before the Lord. And the last element is choice. Generosity always takes a choice. Verses three and four says this, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Offerings are not something that you need to be, you need to feel like um, is, is a compulsory thing, is an obligation. It is us coming before the Lord, full of abundant joy, excited to face a test of faith, bringing our means before the Lord and standing before him, me and him, and saying, Lord, I'm choosing to worship you with this. This is what I have to give you. And that's such an intimate thing. Like if it wasn't a choice, it'd be so, what's the word I'm looking for? So bland, you know, but, but, and, it, and he could, God could have set it up that way, right? But he's like, come to me and let, make a choice. Come and off, make your offering to me. Offerings don't come from compulsion or guilt. They come from desire. They come from faith. And that is such a blessing from the Lord. So now I want to look forward to our seat at the table offering coming up here in a couple of months. Sometimes as a church, if you've been with us for a few years, there's been years where we've had a number that we put out for certain reasons or different things. For example, this building or whatever, all kinds of different things going on. Uh, some years we haven't had a number and we've just been like, this is our rhythm. There's not immediate needs right now, but let's give into the year as we're looking forward. This year, as the elders and I have been praying for a while, we decided uh, to share, we are inviting all of us for a seat at the table this year. We are calling all of us as a church to pray for and give towards a goal of $125,000 for the seat at the table offering this year. Like I've already shared already, the blessing of that is that I'm not standing up here and saying like we are in desperate need for $125,000 or the building's getting taken away. You know, like we don't owe anybody money which is a blessing. So what that, what that means is that we don't have this absolute need to pay bills or pay creditors or anything like that. But what that does mean, what that number does do is that as I've shared what the year has looked like for us, what that number does is it gets us back to a place where we can actually start looking forward again. Because there is a lot that has gone undone this year. There's a lot of things that need attention that haven't been able to get attention. And so as we continue to grow and look into next year, we do, need, uh, we do need money to be able to look forward and do that. Things like staff health and training and development. There's been some things that we really need to be able to do to take care of our people and develop them and train them as we do what God's called us to do. That's gonna go to help us be able to do things for the ministries that we have going on that we have had to leave undone that people are responsible for. And there's, a, there's things around the facilities that need to be taken care of so that we can continue to have a space for us to gather together and for you to continue to bring people and your friends and family to have a place to meet. So on December 19th, that is gonna be give day for seat at the table. And we're gonna do it together as a family. And over these next 11 weeks, I wanna challenge you and encourage you to be praying 
If you are married or if you have a family, be praying together, talking together on how you want to participate. I love how Paul wrote ahead and he's like, hey, I'm coming soon, so take your time to work through this and I'm not trying to drop something on you. You know, it's just so cool. Like the Bible actually makes sense for our life. How amazing. But I want you to take these next 11 weeks to be praying about how you wanna participate. And on December 19th, if you've never been here for Seat at the Table Give Day, don't miss church December 19th. Even if you don't have something to give, come, because it's like one of the coolest days of the year. Where as a family, we, we invite everybody, don't give online, don't give before December 19th if you don't have to. Everybody bring your check and we all give together as a family. We pull up a seat at the table and make an offering in gratitude for the year behind, in faith for the year ahead, and we do it together as a family. It's so fun. Plus, we get to avoid processing fees, which is always fun. If we just bring checks, <laughs> praise the Lord. So if this is your church family, I wanna encourage you and call you to pull up your seat at the table. Honor the Lord with your tithe, and I want you to be praying over these next 11 weeks. Work through 2 Corinthians 8 with the Lord and with others if you want to. Decide in your heart what it is that you wanna give, and give it cheerfully as an act of thanks to the Lord. I want you to stand as we close our time together as a family this morning. We're gonna close worshiping God. I'm so thankful we get to start this fourth quarter every year just being, Lord, Lord, you have just been so good. You've been so good to us collectively. You've been good to us individually. We're gonna have our prayer team come up and be available as we always do. If you came to church needing prayer today, even though we talked about money, you can get prayer. And I would encourage you to do that. We're gonna have our healing team over to the side over here. We've been seeing some great healings. If you need healing in something in your life, please uh, come and let some people pray for you. But let's worship the Lord as a family as we close our time together in church. Jesus, we love you. And we're so thankful to be in your house this morning. We're thankful to be able to look back and see that you have indeed been present with us, alive and working, and you have been good to us in every way. And though we're thankful that because you are alive and always moving, we always get to look forward full of faith, full of hope, and ready to be a part of the next thing that you're doing. I pray, Lord, that you would receive this worship offering as we close our time together, that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit and send us out as we partner with you and follow you this coming week. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together.